This is Vernon Jacobs, Senior Pastor of the Embassy Church. I want to thank you for engaging with us through this podcast. May it build your faith and strengthen your walk and cause you to reach the rooftop in Christian living. Don't forget to aim high and never give up. Let's go now straight into this word. I want to take you through the subject of the sprinkled blood. The sprinkled blood and then we are going to drink of that sprinkling of that blood. I hope that you are going to stay alert. Uh, please, you must receive the full comprehension of this word. It's this word that our whole life in, in, in Christian belief pivots on, pivot, pivot. You know, you, you swivel on it. Uh, large doors hang on small hinges. And this is one of those hinges that your life holds on to the sprinkled blood or the blood of the sprinkling. I want to read with you from Hebrews chapter number 12 as you remain standing. Verses 22 to 24. It will do good if you would go and study even before how they feared and trembled to come to a mountain that God was on. But that fear and trembling has been removed And uh, you'll find that towards the end of my message, you start to enter into God's presence with a kind of boldness. Because uh, the fear and trembling of one type of blood, but then uh, there's another type of blood that sets us free so that we can come boldly into the presence of God. Uh, So we don't fear and tremble, but it's not with terror, but with reverential respect that we fear the Lord. I don't want you to lose the fear of the Lord in, in the sense of fear of terror, but we have a reverential respect for God. Uh, don't misinterpret the word grace to be the freedom to do whatever you can without the fear of God. There is a fear of God that each one of us must have. And so Hebrews 12 And this is your future. When they sing the song, my future is heaven. You can take, you can cut and paste the whole meaning of that into this Hebrews chapter 12. I often, when I end my funeral services, and you may not be fortunate to be at your own funeral service, but let me give you a prelude of what you will hear in your own funeral service. What will pastor say for me? I always end and say, so, whereas this dearly departed gone too, this is the scripture I end with, your funeral will end with this. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. You have come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkling of the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. At every person's departure, All those who identify with Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus will have this destination and this destiny. 
this sprinkling of the blood, this communion gives you the passageway into heaven. Those that don't partake of it, don't believe in it, they have another destiny. But your destiny, who have those of you, and that's why, that's the whole basis of your faith. Not only to have life, but to have eternal life. And everybody will have eternal life. It's just the location is different. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Your name must be registered in heaven. In as much as you have home affairs in each country, you have a home affairs in heaven as well. And you've got to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's called a book of life there too. Here we call it an identity document. Here it says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. People go through great lengths to stand in big queues to get an identity, an identity document for a temporal land. But they don't stand long enough in the presence of God to get an identity document and be registered in heaven. We are home affairs officials. Registered not on the earth. Pastors are home affairs officials. Registered by the CEO of heaven. Keep telling them, come on, the queue is open. Register. Make sure your name is written and enlisted in the Lamb's book of life. One more time. But you have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. You will wake up one morning with your eyes closed on earth and your eyes opened and this will be how will they greet you what will the words that they use it will be this memorize it for you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched where you come with fear and trembling if you go and read your Bible, that's, that's the old mountain. Anybody who touched that mountain, the presence of God caused the fear of God. Anybody that touched that mountain burned. But he says, through the sprinkling of blood, Christ's blood that was shed for you. But you have come to, the, to Mount Zion. Mount Zion is another name for heaven. You have come to heaven, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You are standing in a role play and in a model of what heaven will look like. That's why coming to church is so important. It's a dress rehearsal for year after. If you get bored in this type of setting, I wonder what you're going to do in the next setting. Church is a dress rehearsal 
And for those that are, are feeling like they don't want to come, you don't, you don't feel like going, I wonder what you're going to feel. We are not feelers. We are believers. To the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. This is my blood in the new covenant that is shed for you. Can you, can, you, can you understand what you're doing? Communion is not a ritual. It's a relationship that we share. Take it from C. I want you to understand what you're singing based on what I just said. forgiven my future is ever What is now? All the glory and the honor to the Son. Say, my sins are forgiven. So, God. says that there's a blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. What, what is Abel's blood? What is Abel's blood? As you take your seats this morning, get ready. Abel is, I'm not sure whether he's number one on the earth or he's number three on the earth. Depends how you look at it. And Cain, his brother, I'm not sure whether he's two on the earth or four on the earth. But let's take it as two sons after mommy and daddy. So that makes them the third and the fourth. I do know for sure that Enoch was the seventh. I'm preparing a message. And the Bible clearly says that Enoch was seven. He was the seventh. 
So uh, Cain kills Abel. Four kills three. Number four. Kill number three. There's a pattern. There's spiritual patterns. After 006, you have 007. So a movie the other day, 006 was asked to take out double, double of, 006 was asked to take out 004. Was it? Yeah. And so in Genesis chapter number 1 to 3, you hear people speaking. You hear God speaking to Adam. You hear Adam speaking to God. You hear the voice of Satan speaking to Eve. You hear the voice of Eve speaking to Satan. But in Genesis chapter 4, you have the introduction of one more voice. And God comes down and he says to Cain, your brother's voice or the blood of your brother's uh, cries out to me. He says in verse 10, God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. That literally tells me that blood has a voice. That tells me that blood has a vocabulary. That tells me that this blood is speaking out to God and saying something to God which only God can understand and interpret. I'm trying to show you that God understands the voice of blood speaking. Blood has a voice. And in a few moments, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. And we are going to partake and participate of communion. And maybe you don't understand the importance of communion. But uh, when you can't speak for yourself, that blood... Is going to speak for you. Am I talking to somebody this morning? So the blood of Abel in early in Genesis we see has a vocabulary. And uh, although the man is dead, the voice is not. The blood is still speaking. And uh, what is Abel's blood asking God for? Even though Abel cannot speak for himself... The soil that received his blood is crying out for vengeance. I want to at this stage pause and just talk to us in the natural for those of you that may uh, have murder in your minds. Lots of marriages. <laughs> Contemplate murder. I once taught with a man, and they called him the suitcase murderer. The older folks here will know that he killed his, they say he killed somebody and cut the person and put the person in the, in the suitcase. Don't you get any ideas now? <laughs> but I'm trying to show you this morning that when blood of innocent people fall onto the ground, the ground cries out. The ground speaks. The soil that receives innocent blood has the potential to cry out for vengeance. 
And, and when this, this voice is crying out, one commentary says, one, one Bible commentary says that the voice can cry out for 400 years if not satisfied. And if it's not satisfied, the earth can reach a tipping point. That means the earth can go off its head, if, if we can say that. It can, it can, the, the earth goes berserk, wanting the balance to be restored. It's as if the earth is a great accountant that wants to balance the books for blood that was spilled and, and saying, uh, we, we need, where, where is the satisfaction for this, for this sin? And, and all through the Old Testament, there's a cry for the satisfaction of that sin nature until Jesus will come and he will, he, will, he will balance the book and satisfy the cry. And that's why the statement when Jesus is on the cross and all of his blood is drained out, he says, it is finished. Tetelezai. They wear the t-shirts. Tetelezai means it's paid in full. The, the cry for vengeance is satisfied on the cross. You've got to understand that. But I'm, I seem to be jumping my, my, my scriptures. Um, on the strength of innocence... The blood is demanding. So, so 2 Samuel, and for those of you that are Bible students, 2 Samuel 21, you'll find that the, the word says that Saul's house is bloodthirsty. He, he kills some Gibeonites that he makes a pact with and uh, he tricks them uh, when he's at a tipping point. I don't know why tipping point is. He's at his tipping point. <laughs> And uh, he makes a deal with them. And later he, he renegades on that deal. And he goes and kills the Gibeonites. So the Gibeonites say, Saul, his house is bloodthirsty. When David comes into power, God says that the books are not balanced. And so David calls the Gibeonites and says, we're going through a famine. And we're also going through war. The, you guys... There's, there's no peace. How can we settle this? And they say, give us the blood of Saul's seven sons. And so Saul has to, his seven sons, and you'll, you'll read there, and that's where Rispa, one of uh, Saul's wives, has these two sons, and, and she goes and she doesn't, she's not happy, and she, shh, shh, all the birds that want to come to eat up Saul's, those two boys, she shoos them away. That's a story for another day. Maybe the ladies can pick up that, the, the power of a praying mother. Are we together this morning? But I'm trying to show you that peace doesn't come to that land until what Saul does for is paid for by his son's blood. And that's why this communion table, the blood, that you receive is so important. Somebody say the blood speaks. The blood speaks. Say again the blood speaks. the blood speaks. The blood from the ground calls out for revenge. So, so let's get it straight. What is Abel's blood crying out for? 
Vengeance. Abel's blood is calling out for vengeance. He wants, he wants revenge. I pause for this cause also and speak about the land of South Africa. I was talking to some of my, my, my pastors, the black pastors, and we're saying uh, that there's two calls. You know, when we were in school, we studied, I, I remember in standard four, I think it's your grade six now, I'm not sure whether you still study it in your syllabus, but the blood, they, they taught us about the Battle of Blood River. The Battle of Blood River. The Battle of Blood River. You know how much of blood has flown on this land? And all the trouble, the burning, the, the killing that's going on has a spiritual tie back to that. Don't just think about it as in the context of politics today. It's spiritual of yesterday. It's the blood crying out for vengeance. Whether you know it or not, the children of those that have been killed, inside of them, that spirit is also calling out for vengeance. And that's why the church has an important part with this type of message to say, if Abel's blood calls for vengeance, and that's correct, Jesus' blood satisfies it. The church needs to realize that, and we need to understand that, that Jesus' blood satisfies it. So what does Jesus' blood speak? Because the, the scripture is saying, for the sprinkling of the blood, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood is calling for I'm, I'm sorry that it happened in Genesis. I, it should have happened midway somewhere in Jeremiah. Because right from Genesis, right to Matthew, there's this long cry for vengeance. Vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. It's not been satisfied. The earth is reaching a tipping point and it's not been satisfied. There's nobody's blood. Not the blood of bulls. Not the blood of bullocks. They're trying, but it's not being satisfied. There's nobody else's blood that can balance this great call for vengeance. Then comes Jesus and Matthew. And you know the great birth and how he's given. But I want you to understand this morning... That Jesus is given to the earth as an answer to the problem of Abel's blood. Is given as a solution to the, to the cry of Abel. Abel's blood is calling for what? Vengeance. I want you to see something this morning because whilst Abel is dead... The platform for the voice is what? The ground. Because the, the blood of Abel is on the ground. So it says, and the soil is crying out. Stay with me. So the, the ground is crying out. So Jesus comes 
and, and the word that I, I, I studied, and I like this word, is it grew in stature. I pray that all of us will grow in stature. Somebody say stature. Somebody say, I want to grow in stature. Doesn't mean to say you grow with handsome, with a height and you grow handsome. That may be true, but your stature means as a person, as character, as integrity. And Jesus is growing in stature. The Bible says, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, watched him grow in stature. One of the ways that, one of the things that contribute to stature is that you don't give in to the temptations of sin. And Satan continuously uh, tempted uh, Jesus, took him to this mountain. I want to preach one day that every one of us will go to this mountain. And he showed him realms of glory, showed him the whole world, enticed him with all kinds of, of splendor. The big question to you is if Satan took you to the mountain, will you come down? Lots of people in the church start at the valley and they go even halfway through to the mountain and, 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 and they, they forget that we were just going on a journey. The cable car is returning. But they get so engrossed with what they see on the mountain and Satan has this way of causing you to stay on the mountain. The big question I'd like to ask you 40 years later when you come down the mountain, what shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but on top of the mountain lost his soul? And never came down. It's a good place to say, speak about how people enter the church at the bottom of the mountain. Some of them don't even go to the height of it. They, they don't even know that they've reached the height of the mountain. They just take two steps on the mountaintop and they love it. They fall in love with the splendor of what has been offered to them. And they love to stay there. There's more to you than what God has given to you. There's more to what God wants you to have. He wants you to have abundant life. But he also wants you to have eternal life. Are we together this morning? I don't know why I went there, but... Just to notify us that Jesus does come down the mountain. He says to the air, Satan, Satan, get thee behind me. It will be a good uh, line for you to remember. You know, there was a lady that was buying a dress. And uh, she didn't have the money for it. And she was so tempted to take the dress that uh, she said to the devil, get thee behind me. And then she went off the shop and she bought the dress and the, she related the story to the husband. And the husband said, then why did you buy it? She said, the devil went behind me and he said, it looks even more beautiful from the back. <laughs> <laughs> 
So God says, Jesus says to Satan, get thee behind. The, the long and short of it is that he grows in stature because he resists the devil. Family of God, there is only one way to get out of your problems. Whether it's addiction, whether it's whatever sin, whatever things you're doing, the principle is that of resistance. You must get into your spirit the, the, the tenacity to be able to resist the devil. The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Whatever. Uh, some of you say, well, we have to go for counseling. You don't have to go for counseling for some of the things. You just resist the devil. Some of you say, we need a lot of prayer. Sometimes prayer is not going to work. You just need a, a level of resistance in your addictions. In your behavior. Whatever, sometimes all it takes is not fasting, prayer, counseling. All it takes is resistance. So Jesus grows in stature and he, and he has, and, and, and his growth of stature is filled with the spirit. Can you understand what's happening to his blood? Ooh, his bloodline. And then he goes to the cross and they, they well, the whole cross journey is filled with blood. It's a blood. It's a bloody story. From the whooping posts in the bottom of Jerusalem to the hills of Golgotha, they are hitting him. They are hitting him. They are, they are whooping him. He's on the whooping posts. When he falls, they whip him. When he wakes up, they whoop him. So by the time he's on the cross, he's bleeding to death. Are we together this morning? And there's so much of blood. When the last part of his blood, the Bible says, and then when he gives up, when there's nothing else in him, and, and the, to cut a long story short, he's, he dies. When he dies, the last droplet of blood hits the ground. And the Bible gives an account of that. It says the whole ground split. And, and for three hours, it was... I do have the scripture somewhere, if, if you can help me with it. Not this, go back maybe. Yeah, there it goes. Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up the spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Uh, for those of you that are just joining the church, but I said it before. If, if a man tears, if I have to tear, tear this curtain... I will tear it from the bottom and I will split it. It will split to the top. But if God tears a veil, you know it's split when it splits from the top to the bottom. There are some things. Last night was, I don't know whether you heard it, but I thought the earth is coming to an end. I've never heard thunder roll like that. I mean, when we were little, we called it Man, it was doom doom last night. And I, and I know why. Last night, it, for the first time, it struck me why they call it doom doom. And I thought we are doomed. <laughs> I don't even think you realize why. It's doom doom. It's doom doom. Doom doom. We thought, I just said, Lord, I thank you. Even if you come tonight, I'm with you. Absent in the body, present with the Lord. Come if you may. 
there's a rumble in the earth. I want you to understand because of all that's happening presently, the whole earth is groaning. Look at the floods. Look at the earthquakes. Look at the natural disasters. These things, are, it's as if it's got its own voice. It's violent. It's violent. It, it comes with a force. It comes with an intensity. It comes. Anything in its pathway. The fires that burn. The waters that flow. The seas that roar. The old earth. There's a tipping point. That the earth is reaching. Are we together this morning? And so I'm trying to show you. That this blood hits the ground. When it hits the ground. Something happens. But you know what Jesus said before his blood could spill out? Do you know what he said? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Then he bowed his head and said, it is finished. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. While Abel's blood is calling out for vengeance and revenge, the blood of Jesus is saying, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. And so for the, the kings that kill Abel, the murderers, and Abel's blood is saying, Where's my, where's the payment? Jesus' blood says, forgive them. I'm going to close with this this morning. I don't have enough time to take you to Exodus chapter 11, but you can go and study Exodus chapter 11. But there's the scripture in Exodus, give me Exodus chapter 11 if, if, if it's there. Yeah, now go back. I want to tell you this morning that the sprinkled blood is God's last card for the rescue of his people. The last card. You say, Pastor, where are you going with the last card? Well, you remember the different plagues that came? Frogs, locusts, lice. And Pharaoh's heart is getting hardened. But the last card is blood. When, when God says to, 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 to Moses, this month shall be the beginning of months. Now let's assume, Sharice, that uh, they're not in their new year. They are, let's say, in August. The word of God comes to Moses and he says, he's not telling him I'm taking you back to January. He says, this month is going to be the beginning of new months for you. There's a last card. I'm going to use the last card. And the last card that, I want you to remember this, the last card that God always uses is the card of blood. We saw it with Moses. Now we see it with Jesus. We'll see it with you too. Your last, when you give up the ghost. That means no more breath. It's the last card. Your blood, you die, not... You, you can have cancer, but they say his heart stopped. 
Whatever disease you, you'll have, you don't die of the disease. But your heart stopped. That means the blood stopped. Are we together this morning? And so, it says, this month shall be for you the beginning of, and it shall be the first month of the year for you. I'm, I'm trying to take you somewhere today to show you that when you get to that communion table, whatever you're going through, it's going to reset you. Amen. Whatever you're going through, if you can understand this blood, it's the last card. The blood is a, it gives you, here's the word God told me to give you, new beginnings. Amen. New beginnings. Are we together this morning? And so... With, with Pharaoh, whatever Pharaoh is doing, God afflicts his firstborn and there's death in the land. But here's what I want to say to you. This is the blood of exemption. I'm coming to land this plane. I hope you're going to catch it. The same blood that killed Pharaoh's land with the plague. It's called the plague of blood. It's the same blood that protected God's people behind the doors. So the same blood of plague was the blood of exemption. Anyone that stood under that blood was protected from that plague. The same thing that's Killing them is the same thing that's giving life to you. <sighs> they caught this lady in the act of adultery. And they brought this lady, and I'm closing with this. They brought this lady under the blood of Abel's voice. Under the blood. Up until now, the only blood that spoke was Abel's blood. So they brought her and they knew that Jesus, they asked him, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They testing Jesus to see what God will say. They testing Jesus. They say, the law says that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? And he knows where he's going to. You know sometimes when you know where you're going to and others don't know where you're going to and you want to take them where they don't want to go. Are we together this morning? Have you ever been in a place where you know the answer but uh, it's hard for them to understand but uh, have you ever kn knew the answer and you knew you got them but they think they got you have you ever been in a situation like that and, and there's, there's two kinds of, of groanings. One, they saying, I got you, and you saying, it's like when you play chess. I play with Letitia sometimes, chess. She thinks she's like, she's moving. I know you're moving too, but I'm going to checkmate you. Are we together this morning? And so they say, what says you? Because they know the answer. They know the answer already. 
it's eye for an eye. This lady must be stoned. And it's a trap because uh, it takes two to tangle. If it's an act of adultery, where's the man? Why did you leave the man out? He's a key witness to this whole thing. And if you get caught in an act of adultery, whoever's looking is also. Because what are you looking at? It's open pornography. Are we together this morning? So Jesus, when he looks at that guy who came, he goes down onto the sand and he says, Okay, Jethro, you looked for seven minutes. And so he writes on the, I can't hear you, he writes on the, it's amazing how the, things can be silent, but the ground can still speak. Uh, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing, because now um, Craig, he's also saying, so we caught this lady on the act of adultery, and what says you? So, see Dorasami. And he starts to write, Dorasami, before he met Layla. <laughs> Are we together this morning? It's amazing how many skeletons you have inside of your closet. Attorneys are so clever. When you ask them to fight a case for you, you'd give them all the truth. And whoever they're fighting against, they go and dig all the dirt from that guy. So much so that they say, can we settle this thing out of court? Be careful that every time you point a finger, there's generally four pointing back to you. Watch this. That's a story for another day. But Jesus understands that they are accusing this woman by the blood of Abel. But he gives her so much of grace by his blood. Because in the end, he gets rid of all the accusations. And he's the only one that can. And you know, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, well, I don't see them. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. That is the blood of Jesus speaking better things than the blood of Abel. Are we together this morning? Abel's blood is calling for blood. But Jesus is saying, I extend more blood to you. And my blood, the sprinkling of my blood on you speaks better things of condemnation, eye for an eye, death, all of that. And then revelations come in and I'm done with it. This is what the blood of Jesus does for you as a church. 
This is in heaven. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before God day and night. Remember the story about the lady? Satan's also doing, doing the same thing to you, the accuser. Who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him. By the, the word is missing. By the sprinkling of the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. They overcame him by the what? The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. They overcame him uh -huh, by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. If we had to take your blood, it will be equivalent to Abel's blood. Because you are human. But we overcome him. Our, in our humanness, we overcome the satanic powers by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. I, I rise to tell you this morning that communion is the blood of Jesus. I rise to tell you this morning that there is power in the blood of Jesus. When, when you start to drink this, this blood, you start to overcome the devil by sprinkled blood. It's not your own blood, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you stand this morning and give God praise if you understand what I'm saying? Mm, come on, you can do better than that this morning.